Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Urban Income Show. My name is Laval Chichester. I'm the CEO of Growth Skills and Urban Income, and I'm your host. Today's guest is Margarita Rita Cheng. Um, she is the CEO at Blue Ocean Global Wealth. Prior to founding Blue Ocean Global Wealth, she was a financial advisor at Ameriprise Financials and an analyst and editor at Toa Securities in Tokyo, Japan. Um, she is a certified financial planner and much more. Rita is also an in-demand financial writer and speaker who has contributed her expertise to numerous media outlets, including Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, CNBC, and many, many more. So we're very excited to have her here. Um, in 2022, Margarita was named the fourth most influential uh, financial advisor in the Investopedia Top 100, which is a big deal. Um, Rita, thank you for, for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So um, I know I just did an intro on you, but we like to people to talk about themselves in their own world. So just tell us about yourself and, um, and give us a, a, a quick intro. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor to be here. Thank you so much for the uh, wonderful introduction. So uh, I'm Margarita Rita. I'm a CFP pro. That's a certified financial planner professional. And gosh, who is Margarita? So um, this is the fast forward version. I truly believe I was destined to be a planner. Uh, I'm the eldest of three girls. And my dad thought it was very important for his daughters to know about money. He felt that, true story, that I needed to know about cars, technology, and money, or maybe money, cars, and tech. We didn't get to home improvements. <laughs> um, but um, dad felt that it was important that it wasn't just for boys, it wasn't for girls, it wasn't for men, it wasn't for women. It is for everyone. Everyone needs to know about money. Um, dad felt that money doesn't necessarily buy happiness, but managing your money well is very important because money can bring opportunities. And whatever you do, don't squander those opportunities or deprive those that you love from opportunities. That's amazing. And, you know, I think part of this, a lot of the, the guests that we have is about generational um, influence on money because that that re really sets you up for failure. And I think in my my experience, I wish I would have listened to more. So anyone here listening, you know, like listen to your parents and teach teach your your children the ways because it is it really helps you get ahead. Um, so what is your nationality? What's your background? Where were you born? Um, what do you identify, male, female, any, anything like that? Sure. I told you a little bit about the wisdom that my dad imparted on me. So my dad was born in China. Mm -hmm. um, he fled his hometown twice and then uh, went to Taiwan via boat and spent about 10 years, 10 to 12 years in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. um, this was like high school serving the Taiwanese military, attending university, working. And then he came to America to pursue higher education. Dad got a degree in applied mathematics from Marquette mm -hmm. in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So that's my dad. My mom is 
of Irish and Eastern European descent. Okay. And they both met in New York. Um, mm. So I am um, multiracial, uh, multicultural, multiethnic. And, uh, oh, I was born in New York. Um, yes, and is. I think that this is really important because I'd say my ability to relate and connect with others um, has contributed a lot to my success. People do business with those they like and trust. And people feel safe when you get them, when you understand them, when you take the time to understand their story and where they're coming from. That's amazing. Yeah. That, I mean, and, and do you think your perspective as a woman um, has helped any any of this? And even you're not an immigrant, but you have your, your background, you're from immigrant family. Um, do you think that also helps when it comes to, to, to being successful as a financial planner? So what's interesting is when one thinks about many of the traits of successful advisors, I want to be very clear with my language. This is not to say that people who are not women or do not identify as women will not be success successful, mm -hmm. but good at relationship building, nurturing, cultivating relationships, empathy. I do think being patient, empathetic, and understanding has served me well. Um, you know, as women, we have a variety of roles. Um, we are mothers, we are daughters, we are wives, we are caregivers, we are employees, we're entrepreneurs. That's, that's not to say that uh, people who don't identify as women are not, but I think that has helped me really understand how to uh, be a better communicator. And by being a better communicator, I can help clients uh, reach or realize better outcomes. Mm. There's a study by, uh, I think it's McKinsey on leadership. So as soon as you add more women to a group of men, the group becomes like, like really, really more productive. Do you think, and, and do you th like empathy has ha helped me be extremely successful. I I'm a martial artist. And so from, from a combat standpoint, actually, it, I was a very good fighter because of empathy. And, um, and I, and, and do you think so in, from a business standpoint, Empathy. I also think that it's helped me in my career. Just even manners, saying, being being kind. And there's a lot of literature out there that where people are like, oh, or even people have told me you need to be meaner, less empathetic. Literally, like bosses said, I'm too kind, and I ignored them. And I think I've been I've done pretty well. So you're saying something similar. Um, empathy has also taken you very far in your career, right? No doubt. And I think, listen, I had sales managers that said to me, Margarita, because you know it's serious when they call you by your legal name. You're technically <laughs> sharp, but you know what? You may want to rethink this. You're a lousy financial planner because you spend too much time listening, building relationships, and on client service. You need to mm -hmm. sell more. But I think that I proved my leader's I don't want to say wrong, but mm -hmm. I prove to them I can still be successful because I think it's really important that we open our eyes and hearts and minds open and understand that there's different ways 
of defining success, and there's different ways in which we can realize success, and there's more than one type of advisor that can be successful. Got it. That yeah, that's incredible. And your your company name is that a, a play on Blue Ocean Shift? That book. So I was inspired by Blue Ocean Strategy,、mm-hmm. Blue Ocean Companies, and then of course. Uh, part two, or where Blue Ocean Strategy continues, is Blue Ocean Shift. So, indeed,、um, and our Blue Ocean Strategy is、um, allowing people to access financial advice without being focused on portfolio management.、Okay. So, yes, many of our clients have large portfolios, but the benefit to this type of strategy means that. Instead of turning people away, and this is very important for people from diverse, multicultural, multiracial, multiethnic backgrounds,、mm-hmm. um, that if you're just focused on the size of someone's portfolio, you lose an opportunity to help people build wealth. You don't want to just say, "Hey, come see me when you got half a million or a million, then I'll help you." There's nothing wrong with that, but we need to be open to the opportunities that there's lots of people who. Are receptive and willing and eager for your advice. They want to pay for your advice. It's just the traditional business model may not be appropriate for them,、hmm. particularly if they're younger or if they're entrepreneurs,、uh, and a lot of their wealth is in their business. No, that I think that's really important because I was, I'm, you know, I think we'll talk about how you got into financial planning, but I think this. That point that you just made, I want to just call it out to the listeners because if you are really good with money, let's say you have that, and and you're you want to be a financial planner, I think what you're saying is is very accurate. There's different ways of getting into in into this, and um and and helping people build wealth is also a, a, a thing, right? Not just managing it when they're when they're um when they're going through. What 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 made you think of that? Sure. So, in, in the beginning, I mentioned I was—I、uh, do believe I was always destined to be a planner because, you know, my dad made sure I knew about how to use a scientific calculator and a financial calculator.、Um, my aunt died when I was ten years old, and this is the wife of my mom's brother.、Mm-hmm. So, yes,、yeah, she's my aunt. She's my uncle's wife, and my aunt was a stay-at-home mom. She passed away unexpectedly. She had four children, and my uncle asked my dad. My dad's English name is Paul. Paul, do you think you can loan me money for the funeral? My dad said no. Now, viewers and listeners, I don't want you to think Paul was a jerk. He was not a jerk. He said, "I'm not going to loan you the money. I will pay for the funeral because I don't want you to experience emotional distress and financial distress at the same time." I was ten years old.、Mm. My dad did not use that as a way to shame, but my dad's like, you know what? If anything happens to Daddy when he's on business trip, traveling, you got to take care of Mommy and your sisters. Now, some people will say, "Oh my God, that's terrible to do that to a ten-year-old little girl," but that was my dad's way of demonstrating love. Right. Sign of love is making sure that you are taking care of things and communicating. And so I was exposed to different aspects of 
personal finance. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad told me, cause I'm the first one in my mom's side of the family to graduate from four-year university. So I knew I was going to college uh, cause my dad helped me, um, by purchasing stock through the employee stock purchase plan. So I knew about stocks, knew about insurance. My dad showed me the wills. Um, but what I love about financial planning is it ties everything together. In college, I studied finance. And I was on the corporate track and I had a job. It was a good job where I wrote a newsletter for English speaking investors and I worked with the analysts. Um, it was time for me to come home stateside because I was born here. And I realized that something was missing. That work was intellectually stimulating. It was financially rewarding, but it was not necessarily emotionally gratifying. And I didn't feel like I was having a positive impact on society. So this is when you were in Tokyo. Like anything I do, I, I plan. I'm sorry. This is when you were in Tokyo, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, so this okay. is when I was in Tokyo. That's right. So I knew it was time for me to come stateside because, um, like all good things, uh, come to an end. I wanted to finish my education here in America. That's when I earned my business degree. Mm-hmm. And I really thought about the experience I had in Japan. It was amazing. But I said to myself, I said, um, a balance sheet. Well, that's a personal net worth statement. So companies use balance sheets. Individuals and families have a net worth statement. Statement of cash flows. That's for companies and corporations and businesses. Well, that's a budget. You know, at this time, I was thinking about becoming a planner, but I was only in my 20s. And I was like, who is going to take me seriously? They're going to say, oh my God, what do you know about retirement? So I worked hard. I helped my husband pass the CPA exam. Um, I helped him pay off credit cards, student loans. We bought a house, had two kids. I had a plan. I said, you know what? I want to be able to take these concepts I learned and help individuals and families Mm -hmm. because I believe financial planning transforms lives. I don't want people to wait until they have half a million dollar portfolio and then think that they deserve help. I'm going to help people here and now. And so, yes, um, I decided that I was going to be a planner because I wanted to help people. I wanted to change conversations about money and wealth. Absolutely. And so we, we we we're producing other types of content, like art articles about personal P and L statements and, and that kind of thing. Right. So, uh, and, and, you know, if, if you, Usually, if you're working at a company and you're running in a department, you have, or if you're running a business, you're running a P&L. Um, it's the same thing, like you just said, to, to run that for your, your household and yourself and your family. How would you get started on something like that, like making something like that? So a business or even start wealth building? No, so so like to, to track your, your profit and your loss, like your, to, to manage like what's coming in and what's going out. How would you like get started there? So sure. I mean, I tell everyone that whether this is an individual, a family or your business, the first thing that you need to do is you need to track because you cannot track what you don't measure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take an inventory of your income and expenses. So inflow, outflow. And I'm really very careful with the language I use. Um, you want to take a look at your core or essential expenses. Um, notice I didn't use the word fixed because some things may be essential, 
but they may change in price. So I can be concrete. Gas for your car. You have to put gas in your car to move or for the car to run, right? But it's not necessarily fixed. It's, it's core. It's essential. So the first thing you do is you look at your expenses. What's core and essential, right? Then you look at what is variable or lifestyle. Now, I don't want to say discretionary because remember, I said I was very careful with the language. What's discretionary for one person could be essential for another. And what's mm-hmm. essential for one person could be discretionary for another. So you look at your different categories. And then if you see that there is money left over, that's positive cash flow. Mm-hmm. If you see that there's not, then maybe you need to make adjustments so you can always you know, reduce some of your um, essential expenses. If you have subscriptions, it doesn't mean you can't, but make sure that you're optimizing what you have. And the other thing is, I think that sometimes people focus a lot on expenses and they should, but we also want to focus on the income. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, make sure that you are pricing things appropriately. You know, inflation is real. If you are you know, selling food, for example. I know the cost of milk and flour and butter uh, and eggs, they've gone up tremendously. Um, so just be mindful of your pricing. Um, and if you are um, an employee somewhere, you know, and, and you feel like you're underpaid, you know, this is where negotiation, knowing your worth can be really helpful. Make an inventory of like what you've done. This is not about like, ganging up on your boss, but Mm -hmm. you want to advocate for yourself. And I have coached clients with this. Like one client ended up having to retire earlier than she thought. Um, because if she retired earlier, she would be guaranteed, um, health insurance in retirement because she was given a generous severance package where if she waited, she wouldn't have that. So she did have to retire earlier. Uh, she did get a part-time job. This is a true story. Uh, and her part-time job, this was about mm, 2009. So not quite 15 years ago, right? Um, her part-time job, she was earning $12 an hour, right? I can tell you today she's earning $36 an hour because every time she did ask for a little bit more and it wasn't just asking. Her boss saw that she was doing more. So sometimes... You know, negotiation just for like employees or entrepreneurs, it's truly for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's how you start. You go through your expenses, your income and your expenses, and then you see what's left over. And yes, you can focus on the expense side, but also focus on the revenue side. Focus on both. I also know of organizations that just focus on revenue, but then they don't manage the expense side. So in terms of building wealth, it's both sides of your balance sheet. It's the assets and liabilities. It's the income and the expenses. That's amazing. Um, and is there a way to even refresh a uh, recession proof um, your 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 finances? Any advice on that? So this is what I tell clients to do. No one wants to plan for a recession, right? right? But we want to be prepared for a recession. <laughs> exactly. So some strategies you can do is to make sure you have like adequate cash reserves mm-hmm. so that you don't have to access a retirement plan before 59 and a half. 
have to pay taxes penalty and sell at an inopportune time. So right. cash reserves, number one. For savings, right? Yeah, I'm sorry? Could we, could you translate that to savings? Savings, yes, emergency rent, cash reserves for any emergencies or opportunities. Um, the other thing is like debt, you know, pay down your variable debt, your expensive debt. Mm-hmm. So for example, like, um, I know I need a new car. I'm going to be honest and clean. I think it's so important to be transferred. My car has 290,000 miles, right? It's a hybrid. The battery is very strong. Now I know that I bought that car in 2009, right? The interest rate was 3.25 then. There's no 3.25 interest rate in a car anymore. So how you recession proof your finances is if appropriate, listen, I want you all to be safe. Try to, del- try to delay major purchases, right? right? So make sure you have adequate reserves. Step one, step two, pay down variable debt. Step three, if appropriate, remember safety and wellness and well-being number one. Mm-hmm. But step three, um, if you can delay major purchases. So I know I'm going to need a car sooner as opposed to later, but I have a hybrid. Hybrid engines hold up really well. So that's another strategy, um, you know, to make sure that you're building cash reserves, you're um, managing your high interest debts, and you're delaying major purchases because, you know, not only could there be a recession, but uh, there's also a recession with high inflation. Right. And, and they're, you know, the, their inflation rates have gone up and um, what, what's the other thing? Tax brackets have changed. Any other watch outs on, on that type of thing that people should know about? So absolutely. I mean, tax brackets have increased. The standard deduction has also increased. Oh, really? um, it's important to also be mindful. You know, um, if you're able to, um, each year, the limits, the maximum amount you can contribute to a retirement plan has increased. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want it all to be about retirement uh, however, if there's also like medical expenses or child care expenses you have, you can take advantage of I, flexible spending accounts. There's flexible spending accounts offered to you through your employer for health care and then for dependent care. So that's other ways in which you can prepare for these expenses and not have such um, them take up so, so much out of your paycheck. Got you can it. prepare for them on a tax-favored uh, basis, tax-deferred basis. That's amazing. That's very good advice. And when you when you think about um, why do you think that some people don't take control of their finances, right? I think it's taught, you know, a lot of us are taught about finances and that primes them. But, um, and I said, I think some people have fear about, oh, it's like, I'm already in a trap. Like I can't get out of it. Why else? And and for the people who do, who think that it's too late, like what advice would you give to them to like get control of it? Oh, sure, Lavelle. I'll definitely answer your question. I feel like I need to clarify something that I said before. So you can save for retirement on a pre-tax basis, but then the flexible uh, the flexible spending accounts um, for healthcare and dependent care. I might have said they're tax deferred, but I meant to say they're like pre-tax. Um, so why do I think that people don't save? Um, some people truly don't believe they can. 
And this is what I tell people. So some people may say, you know what? I don't have money to invest. And they may be paycheck to paycheck. But I'll tell you this. If you do want to have money, you do want to have wealth, you do need to start investing. So I can be really concrete. You don't need to start with a lot. You can start with as little as $50 a month. Um, another place which you can start is if your employer offers a retirement plan. But if your employer doesn't offer that or you're an entrepreneur or you participate in the gig economy, you can start, you can establish what's called a dollar cost averaging arrangement. That's basically a fancy way of saying every month you're going to commit to investing $50, $100. You pick the number. And what's great about this is I, when you automate it, you don't have to think about it. And let's just say, oh my gosh, you know, something comes up. You can always stop it. But I tell people, I'd rather you start small. Right. So I'll share a real life example. My son started working. He's a research fellow at the National Institute of Health. Um, he's young. He's a recent grad. He started work in August of 2022. He didn't get his first paycheck until September. Now, because he's a research fellow, he doesn't have access to a retirement plan. Mm -hmm. So what I told my son to do, my son's name is Christian. I said, Christian, you get direct deposit for your paycheck. He's like, yes, mom. I said, so Christian, what you need to do? Because he gets paid once a month, the beginning of the month. Mm -hmm. I said, your paycheck is being direct deposit in your checking account. What I need to do, Christian, is I need to make sure that you're not spending everything you make. You need to have an arrangement where some of that money goes to your savings account. Mm -hmm. He did that. You also need to have some of that money go to a Roth IRA. So Rick Christian needs a little bit of breathing room. Remember, I told you he didn't get his first check until September. He started working in, in um, August. So October, November, December, January, February, March, six months, Christian saved $500 a month mm -hmm. to his Roth IRA. Six times 500 is $3,000. And remember, I told him, you need to make sure that you're building your emergency fund. I didn't have my son save a thousand a month. He needs to have cash. And then what we did, I say we, cause this is a collaborative process. Mm -hmm. So six times $500, 3,000. In January, 2023, February, 2023, um, March, 2023 and April, 2023, people still have the opportunity to contribute to retirement accounts for the previous tax year. So that's how six times 500 was 3000. And I'm having my son build up his savings. So even though he didn't get his first check until September, Mm -hmm. Christian still hit the 6,000. Now people are like, well, I don't know if I can save 6,000. The reason why Christian could is um, he's in a position where he is able to save before he goes to grad school. So that's why he is using this opportunity to save as much as he can. But you don't have to be like Christian and save 500, maybe only save 50. So I just wanted to let you know um, that it is possible um, I don't want you to think about, oh my God, retirement planning is for old people. I just graduated. I want us to reframe the conversation. This is about building wealth for your future. Mm -hmm. And someday you may want to be retired. 
Absolutely. And and I love that story. I think it's very clear and, and con concrete. Why um, can you explain the benefits for the audience of a Roth IRA, what it is and, and why it's beneficial? Sure. So a Roth IRA can be very helpful. Now, each year, the IRS does raise the income guidelines as well as the maximum amount you can contribute. But the benefit to the Roth IRA um, is while you do not receive any tax savings today, the money can go tax-free in the future. So that's beneficial. Um, anybody, it's never it too late. This is when you withdraw it? So yes, provided you satisfy all the criteria, um, when you withdraw money in retirement, it's tax-free. Mm. But the Roth IRA, people are like, well, is a Roth better than a 401k? Listen, if you have both, I want you to take advantage of both. In this case, Christian, my son doesn't have access to a 401k, but that didn't stop him from building wealth for his yeah, future. I, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I love, I love the automation bit. Just me personally, when I was starting out too, I realized that if the money does not come into your, your check and it just goes automatically into savings, like you said, you don't have to think about it. And two, you you you're you get trained on living within the lower amount, right? So if you take 50, 50 bucks out of your paycheck, let's say every month, you get used to living without that fifty bucks, right? And if you can maintain and manage that, just pretend that other money isn't there, and like you like you showed, it um it grows pretty quickly over time. Um, so yeah, that, thank you for that. That's a very very clear example of how it, how it works and um and basically compounds over time right absolutely and you know what so when christian goes back to returns to school and pursues um uh, his graduate studies you know he may not be able to do 500 a month he might have to cut back and that's okay mm -hmm. um if he's able to maintain it he can so that's what's good initially it may be uncomfortable, We, but what's uncomfortable becomes comfortable. And if you just want to start out with 50, you can do that. And remember that client I told you about who started at $12? It is never too late. Mm -hmm. I helped her open a Roth IRA when she was 70. And back then she could only do $50. Today she's doing 400. That's amazing. So it's never too early and it's never too late. And the mistake is if you don't do it, it's going to continue to, if you don't take control of it, it's going to continue to, to grow into a bigger problem, basically. So, you know, take care, take control of your finances, start now, you know, watch your, watch your spending, save as much as you can, try and, try and earn more money, save, put it into IRA, Roth IRA, if you can. Um, let's switch over to what do you, what are you most uh, proud of? that you've accomplished or done in the past five years? So uh, uh, there's a couple things I want to say. The first thing is I'm really proud of the fact that um, professionally speaking, I take the time to mentor others. So I'm helping them uh, with their CFP studies, helping them secure employment opportunities, writing letters of recommendations for awards, scholarships. Very happy um, that I am doing my part to make our profession more diverse and inclusive. On the personal front, 
I know this is before the pandemic, but I'm still proud of it. Um, I ran three marathons in 2019 in three weeks. That's and really the reason why I'm proud of this is it wasn't just about me running. Look at me. I'm great. There was purpose behind each one of these runs. So mm. I ran the Chicago Marathon to support girls on the run in Chicago. Then I ran the Marine Corps Marathon to support the community here um, to empower women and girls here in D.C. Metro. Mm -hmm. Then a week later, I ran the New York City Marathon to support girls on the run, New York City. Um, the reason why I'm so passionate about supporting women and girls is I wanted to create uh, opportunities for girls to have safe um, activities for physical fitness after school because I believe every girl deserves to be healthy, confident, and active. That's a lot. That's that's really so. The purposes are, are amazing, mm -hmm. and it's just the physical ability to do that. I think is 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 very you know you should be proud of yourself and um and why why did you pick those causes in in particular sure so um as mentioned i'm based here in the dmv that's dc maryland and virginia mm -hmm. and montgomery county maryland there's a lot of wealth but there's also a lot of communities that are like under resourced and at this time, I had the opportunity to coach girls on the run. It's a commitment. I had to coach two days a week. I was mm -hmm. coaching elementary and middle school girls. And I realized that I enjoyed this experience just as much as the girls. And I realized I could run a marathon. But why did I decide to run a marathon? I'd never run more than 5K before. I have asthma. Why did I want to do this? I looked at... DC and K street is where there's a lot of power and influence. And I looked at the map and I'm like, Ward seven, Ward eight, they are east of the river. The girls there and boys for that matter, but I was just focused on girls mm -hmm. don't really have access to safe after school programs. It might be logistically challenging for me to go there and coach. What can I do to make a difference? So, so that's it. Um, I want to do my part, even though it's hard for me to coach twice a week in, in the district. Um, I'm going to reach out to the Marine Corps Marathon organization. And I'm going to see who their charity partners are. So um, I said, that's it. I'm going to run the Marine Corps Marathon. It was <laughs> such an amazing experience. Uh-huh. I did that in 2018 that I said, you know what? I'm doing it again in 2019. And there was a lot of negativity in the world. And I was like, you know what? I wanted to run the world marathon majors. Mm -hmm. Chicago is one of them. New York is one of them. And I reached out and I saw that girls on the run were charity partners. Now I didn't realize that they both would accept my application. And oh, I got so into you both. Got in Cause you didn't have to qualify. Correct. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so great. Then when they got back, and you know what? Even if you're super fast, mm -hmm. sometimes it's very hard to get in, right? For sure, yeah, I know. Much faster than me. They can't get in. Yeah. Um, And 
both New York City and Chicago looked at my application. They saw that I had coached five seasons here in Montgomery County, Maryland. Mm. They saw that I ran the previous year in D.C. They're like, why do you want to do this? I said, you know, I believe that financial planning transforms lives. But I believe that these girls' lives are transformed through running um, life skills. I said, you know what? I want to put some positive energy in the universe. And when Chicago said, yeah, we got space on our charity team and New York did too. I said, you know what? That's it. It looks like I'm running both. Yeah, that, wow. That's impressive. And the causes are good. And just the whole story of how you got in to, to be able to run. That's, that's incredible. Um, here's a question. What do you wish uh, you did with your money sooner? Um, I would say I've always been pretty good with money. Um, I'd say that sometimes, so I shared how I worked and studied in Japan, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, at that time, Tokyo was probably one of the most expensive cities on earth. And here's what I wish I did. I think sometimes I was too focused on how expensive things were. Mm -hmm. So I was so worried about spending a lot of money on rent that I actually lived in Yokohama and I commuted from Yokohama to Tokyo. Now, depending where it is, it, it could be, I don't know, 25 miles, maybe 35 miles. But it's it was definitely a long commute. Um, I regret doing that. I did get out of that because what happens is um, I had the opportunity to move to Tokyo mm -hmm. uh, because... Um, at my university, there was a job board and this uh, very, um, I guess, grandma, this very intentional grandma wanted her grandson to have the benefit of learning English from a native speaker. So she posted on the bulletin board that she was looking for um, a native speaker of English to help her grandson with homework. So I was able to move from Yokohama to Tokyo. Um, and the benefit is she gave me free rent. Oh, so amazing. I just had to agree to help her grandson yeah. with six hours of homework a week. Mm -hmm. So as far as money was concerned and the mistake, I would say that's like, listen, people say it's, it's not a mistake. If you learn from it, I think I was so focused on cost that I didn't factor in my time, that that commute was long. Uh, it was a walk, um, two train lines, a subway and another walk. By the time I got to school, like I was already exhausted, hmm. but you still do it because that's what you need to do. So um, moving to the city, uh, I definitely had better quality of life and I didn't worry as much about money. All right. No, that's a that's a very good story. Um, I love I love uh, Japan. I've been to Osaka, I think Yokohama, uh, Tokyo, Kyoto, a couple of different places. And I remember for, when we first went there, the dollar was better than the yen, so we were buying everything. The next year we went, no mas, we can buy like it was crazy the the difference in in um in in the currency. Um, so I get that and. And um, I think also what's good about that story is you learn from it 
But I think moving forward, if and uh, this ties into what you would tell your teachers, you know, any advice you'd give your younger self, I think um, I have that question next. I think what you're saying is you probably could have thought, looked for that type of thing sooner, said, okay, if, 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 if cost is the thing that's making me live in Yokohama, how can I find affordable rent, cheaper rent in Tokyo? And then you would have probably went down the path of, Oh, are there different jobs that I could that I could do? And, and you basically probably would have found that sooner. Um, so that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so any advice you would give to your to your younger self? I always love this question. I tell people, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Um, sometimes I was afraid to ask for help because I was worried that people would think I was dumb. Um don't be afraid to ask for help. The other thing, you know, I think that it's important to be authentic and honest. You know, there is a difference between being assertive and being aggressive. Like you got to advocate for yourself because if you don't advocate for yourself, then who will, you know, as an Asian female being underrepresented, you know, sometimes I was scared to speak up, but I realized that I do need to speak up and out. Um, and so, Yes. I mean, I, I'm a mom of two daughters and a son and I tell my kids, you got to speak up and out. You have to advocate for yourself. No, that, that, that's important. I, I feel, and even talking, you know, with my wife, she expresses the fact that there's things out of like, just go for it. Just do it. And, you know, and, and even in doing a lot of these talks, um, I remember Christy LaRusso was the CMO of, uh, of Kaiser Permanente, she was just like, she has, you know, male mentors because she, women are just wired differently. So they, like she, she felt, especially when she was coming up in her career, it's a little bit different for her now. She was a little intimidated for, to ask for things like raises and all those types of things. So she would, she would, you know, allies, male allies, she would basically ask them for advice and, and say like, Hey, um, am I, is, am I, do, am I, am I just overthinking this shit? And they're like, just go for it. Like there's not, no harm in that. So there's this layer, I think that, you know, some women have that I, I guess men don't have where those are, I think a guy would just shoot their shot and, and go for it versus being any, having apprehension. So I think, you know, that coming from you, um, is, is really important because you, get, you just got to go for it. Um, I think the, the other thing is, I think the saying is a, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Right. Um, and that's it right there. Like if you don't speak up for yourself, no one really else would. So, um, so that's fantastic. Um, I think that's gonna, that's gonna wrap up our call. Thank you so much for, for being on the show. I, I learned a ton and I think there's, um, I'll probably have some follow-up questions for you, honestly, because literally I learned a ton by, by talking to you and I have a whole lot of, a lot of, you know, personal questions, but I don't think we have the time to, 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 to do that. So we'll probably add some of the questions to, to an article we write about this. So, um, thank you, Margarita, for being here today. Uh, thank you everyone for turning, uh, tuning into the Urban Income Show. Um, I hope you found this episode informative and inspiring. Please remember to subscribe to our channel, follow us on social media, and I will see you on the next one. The Urban Income Show is powered by Growth Skills, an award-winning growth marketing firm.
We help brands grow their awareness, website traffic, and revenue using things like search engine optimization and content marketing. We guarantee that we can grow your first page rankings on Google, so contact us at growthskills.co to increase your search engine rankings and revenue.